0: ...passage that occurs just after the parable of the sower, and just before the calming of the sea, uh, which Charles preached on last week. Now, the reason we're doing this, and I can say this because he's several hundred miles away from here, uh, is because we kind of figured that, you know, Charles is the comforting one. He's the one who's, you know, very assuring, and so he should take the very comforting passage. Uh, I'm the one who, when I say things, a lot of you probably don't understand anyways, and it's confusing. So I might as well take the confusing passage. Um, And so here we are. The ordering kind of works for us because uh, having a knowledge of what precedes this passage and having a knowledge of what comes after it, the calming of the sea, uh, kind of helps us understand this passage a little bit better. Uh, In light of the parable of the sower we are tipped off to this reality that the seed of the kingdom of God is at work. And by knowing that this King Jesus shows up in the storm, we are tipped off to the reality that the storms are the natural setting for his kingdom work. And with all of that in mind, we'll see tonight this main idea. That the kingdom has come and is hidden as mysteries of light and seed. So with that, if you'll please, I guess you don't stand here. Sorry, I was about to tell you to stand. Stay seated where you are. But let me read the text. pray for us. Mark four twenty-one through 34. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said to them, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except without a parable. Privately to his disciples, he explained everything. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace that you've given us in your word. We thank you for your promise to meet us. We thank you that your kingdom is at hand even now. We thank you that you've promised to work in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering and sin. And now we ask, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, the parable of the sower preceding this, we saw, in it we saw in Mark 4, verse 11, that Jesus tells us this reason why he spoke in parables. He said to his disciples, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in a parable. Note here that he says the secret of the kingdom of God. Uh, We should ask, what is the secret? Well, I want us to notice a couple things. First of all, this is in the singular. It's not plural. There is one secret, one key to understanding everything. And furthermore, this word for secret in the Greek, it is the word mysterion. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I told you about my wildly average Greek skills. Uh, And in light of that, you can probably guess what this Greek word means in English. Mysterion. Mystery mind. I was expecting a little more than that. Um, maybe I am better at Greek than I thought. Uh, but what this should clue us into is this one secret, this idea that one mystery. This is going to unlock all of the parables. And it's not only going to unlock all of the parables, it's going to unlock the whole Bible. It's going to unlock for us everything that God is doing for us and for the world. And this secret... This word of the kingdom is referred to as light and seed. And we'll eventually see what it is. But before we can, we must understand that it is hidden for a purpose. And this leads to our first point. That the light of the world is hidden in hope. In verses 21 through 25, Jesus opens by asking these rhetorical questions. Is a lamp brought in and put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Now, this provides quite the conundrum for us, uh, because Jesus, for him, the correct answer is, well, with anyone except you, uh, this would make no sense. But you apparently like to put things under a basket. You are the one who likes to hide things. You're the one who's being so secretive. Not only do we have these earlier verses telling us why Jesus uses parables uh, Specifically to hide the secrets of the kingdom But what follows in our passage all demonstrate this truth That what is supposed to be the best thing that has ever happened to the world Has by design occurred in relative obscurity Now, the other reason that this is such a dilemma is because it doesn't seem that Jesus has changed course since his resurrection. You know, this would be one thing if Jesus said, well, uh, we're still kind of in the startup phase. We're still looking for potential investors, potential donors, some people to get excited about what's happening. Uh, But once I rise from the dead, once I get my big break, then we'll ditch this whole obscurity is cool mentality. Note, from his entire ministry, and even after the resurrection, this is the way the kingdom is going. You see, Paul stays on message as Jesus' apostle, when he says this in 1 Corinthians, he says, For the word of the cross is folly for those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart in this. We see what is hidden and why it is hidden. It is the power of God in the cross. Now, this is the mystery. This is the secret of the kingdom. And we see in verse 22 again, it is hidden in hope. It is hidden that it might be revealed. And yet, even as it is revealed, it is always hidden in what Paul calls the foolishness of God. You see, the cross is the place where Jesus gives us the light of the kingdom. Just as he says these words in John 12, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus continues, while you have the light, Believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. This is a difficult message to hear. And the reason it's difficult is not because it is bad news. Indeed, this is the best news the world has ever heard. The reason that this is difficult is because it's so counter to the kind of power that we know. This is so foreign to our intuition. And this is why Paul, in that same passage, calls it a stumbling block and folly. You see, we naturally reason what is the point of putting such a seemingly weak and insignificant light on a stand. Like the seed that is choked out by the cares of the world, we are constantly tempted to look for the kingdom of God to move through worldly influence, power, and strength. And this is our default mode. And God needs to constantly work us, this out of us by his Holy Spirit. And so we should ask ourselves, what does this look like for you? What does it look like? Does it look like believing that Christians need to reassert their political power? Or maybe it's not so much that you don't see the centrality of the cross, But you've become um, numb or unaware to its continued power. That is, you say things like I'm prone to say. Like, could this message ever work for my neighbors, for my co-workers? Or what about my roommate? They seem just a little too intellectual for all this, you know, folly of the cross type stuff. Even the disciples after the resurrection had a hard time understanding this. Even after the resurrection, they're prone to not get this secret of the kingdom uh, and what it was doing, what it was accomplishing in the world. In Acts 5, 1 through 7, Jesus comes to them. You know, the resurrected Jesus. He's been with them for 40 days. They have verified it's him. Uh, Hopefully they're starting to get what's happening. And right when he's about to give them the Holy Spirit, Right when he's about to breathe on them, send them out to the ends of the earth to take this message of salvation to all, high and low, to heal the weak, uh, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. This is the one question on their minds. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, if Jesus was from the Midwest, uh, he might say something like, son, son. Uh, we've got a lot bigger fish to fry than just Israel. He has this whole global plan of what he is doing, what he is accomplishing, where the kingdom of God is going. And they're still thinking in terms of the old covenant, the old temple, the old thing that is passing away. And yet, Jesus does not leave them as outsiders, nor does he leave us as outsiders, into this secret of what he's doing. You see, difficult as this is to grasp, he gives them this promise. For to the one who has, more will be given. And this leads to our second point. The seed is hidden, that it may bear fruit. You see, this secret of the kingdom, this foolishness of God that is the word of the cross, is confounding. It is hidden, though, that it might be revealed, placed on a lampstand to be the light of the world, though the world sees it as only a flicker. But make no mistake about it. The cross is power. It is power, as Paul proclaimed, but it is power in this way. It is as author and theologian Robert Farrar Capon puts it, when he says this power is precisely paradoxical power. Power that looks for all the world like weakness, intervention that seems indistinguishable from non intervention. But when you come to think of it, it is power. It is so much power, in fact, that it is the only thing in the world that evil can't touch. With the dead body of Jesus, God wedged open the door between himself and the world and said, There. Just try and get me to take that back. That's, by the way, from his highly commendable book on the parables, Kingdom, Grace, Judgment. Uh, Maybe put it on the queue for a book club around here if we haven't. them. Um, is what type of power this is. Thus, when Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem and to the cross, he says again in these words from John 12. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In light of those words from John, we see that in our parable of the growing seed, uh, there is, this seed is nothing and no one other than Jesus himself as the living, dying, and sprouting seed. He is the one who dies. He's the one who's buried in the earth. And three days later, he sprouts forth as what 1 Corinthians calls the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, the father in this passage is the indiscriminate farmer. He's the indiscriminate farmer who scatters his seed in all corners of the earth and it bears the fruits of new life. But keep this in mind as well. The whole thing continues as this great mystery. To the observer, it looks like nothing is happening. Even the farmer in this passage, you'll notice, is somewhat in the dark. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. And so Robert Capon continues saying this. The whole operation began as a mystery, continued as a mystery, came to fruition as a mystery, and to this day continues to function as a mystery. We can see that unless this King Jesus is dying as a seed, is hidden in mystery, unless he is hidden and descends to the dead as we confess, There is no harvest that comes forth. And thus the seed that is hidden, the seed that's hidden in the earth, is the only one that produces fruit. Only in Jesus' falling upon the earth, only in the proclamation of that message, only in that is a harvest produced. And this leads to our third point that the kingdom is hidden in insignificance, but the fruit is immeasurable. We've already discussed what the secret or mystery of the kingdom is. We've seen that this produces fruit, and yet we would not be finished unless we discussed what kind of harvest this is. Uh, You all know about what it means to produce fruit. You can think of your average box garden. Uh, and I'm sure your tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever it, whatever it is, is quite edible. Uh, I think about the succulent on my desk at work that is still by some miracle alive uh, four weeks in. But the real point of this passage is to capture uh, the, uh, the, the complete audacity, the complete uh, strangeness of what is planted and what actually comes forth. And so we see that this growth is something that is supernatural. And I won't pretend to enlighten you with my agricultural knowledge about mustard plants, uh, how big they get and all of that stuff. But the point of all this is that it is truly a work of the Holy Spirit. It's truly something that is small, insignificant, indiscernible. And yet the fruit that it produces is so big So vast, it is incomprehensible. And so this kingdom comes through the working of the Holy Spirit. And this is the point here, that this kingdom, this seed is bearing fruit all over the earth. And this is exactly what Paul observes. He says this in Colossians 1. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and is increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. This is what the gospel is doing among you. This is what the gospel is doing here at Midtown. It's what is doing in your life as well. It is sown in mystery. It is sown in insignificance. And yet it's producing a glorious harvest. And indeed, this mystery is now revealed. Paul says this in Ephesians 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, As I have written briefly, the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You see, this kingdom has come to you. This mystery is now revealed, and though it is seemingly insignificant, it is now shining as a light. It is now growing as a seed for you, and in you, and in your midst. You may not see. You may not be able to recognize it, but it is growing in the background. Even as the father, or sorry, the farmer doesn't see what his crop is producing. Sow this seed of the gospel. As it comes to you, as it hits your ears, as it comes upon your lips, it is producing fruit in you and among you. It's creating faith. It's healing hearts. It's meeting you in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your suffering, and even in the midst of your shame. And so just as we mentioned before, the secret of the gospel is the folly of the cross. And just as Paul said a second ago, this is through the gospel. So in conclusion, the kingdom is hidden in mystery, but this is not for no purpose. This is for your sake. And though it is seemingly lacking power, it is at work mightily for you and in you. And in it, you have the whole kingdom even now. Even though it is in a budding seed form. It is yours. And how can you be sure of that? How can you be sure that when you leave, when you face your sin once again, when you go through the trials that you will face this week, when you stare suffering in the face, and you face the dark night of the soul, how can you know that this kingdom is truly yours it's because it comes to you in this message Jesus Christ who is the only begotten seed of God was buried hidden in the earth and sprouted forth again as the first fruits of the resurrection and he has come to shine on you to give you his kingdom and what if you can't feel it what if you can't see it Well, neither could the farmer, but it's still here, it's still working, and still in your midst. Amen.